Today I get to chat with Eric Dickerson. And Eric Dickerson is a football legend. It's not uh, inappropriate to say. It's uh, number 38 I saw on a list of best football players of all time, <laughs> of any position of all time. And still have records from the you know, 1984, one of your records, I believe was most yards rushed in the season. I'm not, I, I might. 2,105, I, I have, yeah, 2,105. Is that all? Yeah, that, that record's been standard. <laughs> matter, matter of fact, uh, I got a, I got a, uh, a, a text from a buddy of mine I went to college with. Uh, he said, they talk, they've been talking about you on the show. He said, did you do something? I said, no. And it was December 9th, 1984, when I set that record. And that was the day he texted me. I'm like, oh, I said, I set the record that day. And I didn't even know. I mean, mm -hmm. it's been so long since I set that record, you know, in 1984. You know, football has changed a lot, but it's standing 37 years later, it still stands. You had a lot of records. I had, I had a few. You had a lot of records. You still got some other standing records, and you, you know, um, the uh, All-American, uh, All-Pro team, some other accolades that I, I there's a, a, a list so long, it's amazing. Man, you know, I'm a, let me tell you, you know, to me, when I, when I look at those records, I mean, people know that knows me know one thing, I'm not a sports guy. Like, I don't like watching sports. I watch sports because I have to, because I have to talk about it, but I'm not a guy that can go to a football game. Like, every game, I leave it half or right after half. I'm just not that guy that's going to sit there and watch sports all day. I can't do it. I love playing it, not watching it. You know, I think something that's made you special, or you know, in, in my uh, amateur opinion, where I look at some highlight clips, and I ask my friend Carlos, when, whenever I have a football question, I ask my friend Carlos Huerta. And, you know, he played, uh, he had three national championships in college. He has some records from college that, you know, that, that still stand from the, you know, U-Miami team that he was on. And he had a Grey Cup championship later. Only three years in the NFL. He got a knee injury playing soccer in the off season. Wow! A girl kicks his knees. But soccer, you know, Carlos has been a friend of mine, like a kind of a big brother to me for more than a decade. We know each other. So whenever I have a football question, I ask Carlos, and he says that you know the 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 way that you played, it looks so natural and so easy. And obviously, there's <laughs> tremendous work ethic that goes into it. It's not uh, there's a natural talent and a tremendous nurturing of that and the psychological and physical effort that has to go into that. But um, how do you make that look so easy? Well, you know, that's a question that I've heard, a statement I've heard so for so many years, you know, even when I started playing sports, is that I look like I wasn't trying. I, I made it look easy, you know, and I'll say this much, it was a God-given talent. And, and, and I always say that it was a, it was a talent that, that he gave me and, and, and my talent was second to none. And, and I'm not bragging when I say that, it's just the truth. I mean, it was like, when I looked at one of my favorite actors or you know guys on TV was Bruce Lee, and he made it look so smooth and so easy, but it wasn't easy, you know. And 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 that was my thing. I I tried to make it. I, I was just smooth with it, and then and, and it's, it was just it was natural for me. It was because I ran upright, I was fast, I ran track, um, and I just I never was that. I, I was never that guy, and. Uh, I've heard it for, for years. Even my, my mother, who raised me, my great-great-aunt, I, I was legally adopted. And uh, she didn't like football. She hated football. And I'll never forget, it was, uh, we were sitting talking, and he said, Eric, I hate that game. She said, but son, you make it look so pretty. You make it look so <laughs> easy. And I, said, I said, mama, it ain't easy out there. And she, I mean, she knew it wasn't easy, because you know, think about it, sport, football is a very physical sport. Yeah. It's, it's a lot involved, and it's a lot of hitting. Uh, but, you know, it was, uh, I'll say it again, it, it was a gift from God. When I chatted with uh, Marshall Falk about, you know, some of the, the injuries that happen over a career in sports, mm -hmm. that, 
he was saying, you know, when you, you play your first game, your rookie season, you already got some wear and tear, and, oh, it, yeah. just, and it just keeps rolling. Oh, that's, that's, that's true. You, look, from the time you get into training camp, you know, you can maybe stay healthy, a little bit healthy in training camp. But by the time you get to that, after that first game, you always hurt. I mean, you, you, you never play healthy. You never play one game where you, like, like, I have nothing wrong with me. You might have days I feel really good, but I always have something. Um, but I got to say this for myself, and I thank God for it. I've never had a surgery. Huh. I've never had, and I've, I played for 11 years in a league where it was physical back then, and I was a feature back, you know, and I, I missed my first game when I was in my seventh year. But I never had a surgery, but, you know, it is a sport that is physical, and, and you always hurt. And I think people don't realize that when they see guys on the field, you know, and they think, you know, guys, he, he looks like he's in great shape. He's in great shape, but, but you always hurt. You, you never play healthy. I have friends that are UFC fighters and boxers, and one was an you know, Olympic wrestler. And, and people I know for years, and they tell me the same sort of things. You have a, by the time that you're smart enough to, to do the right things and your, your brain is at its peak capacity, you have a, an accumulation of injuries, and there's kind of a crossroads <laughs> of uh, being smart enough to do the right things and still being physically able to do those things uh, you know, the way you'd like to do it. And a, a common theme I've heard from some you know, high-performing athletes like that, they'd say that you'd be, or I'd ask them the question, and they'll tend to agree that, you know, it's my understanding that you'd be lucky if you're at you know, 80, 85% health. Oh, and my When there's an important game or that big moment in your life, you'd be lucky if you're 80, 85% healthy. That is so true. I mean, I'll tell you, the year that I rushed for 2,000 yards, that I broke the record, um, I was banged up a little bit. I banged up before the season started, and then I hurt my, my toe, I think, in week six. I think it was week six. And I didn't think I'd be able to play because I couldn't even walk on it. I mean, yeah. my toe was so swollen and hurt so bad that you couldn't even touch it like, like, like that. And it was like, mm -hmm. oh, oh, God, oh. I mean, you couldn't even put a, I couldn't put a, like a sheet, on, like, a, like the sheet from the bed couldn't touch it. It was, it was horrible. And a guy named Tut here, one of our trainers, came up with an idea to uh, take me to, to uh, a foot doctor, like whatever they call them, like orthopedist. Orthopedist, orthopedist. And they made a mole in my foot and made something called a toe piece that I still have at home. It was a plastic device. It was made up and had a cushion inside and I put it on my toe and t wrapped it around my toe. And it took the place of the joint almost. Hmm. And, uh, cause I couldn't run. I mean, I, I couldn't run without it. I played my whole career with it actually. And the, like, I tried to play a game and I, I, I couldn't play and then I got that toe piece. And from that point on, I mean, I was able to play with it. And, and like I say, you, you, you're very rare you're healthy. I mean, people don't realize, it's not just football, it's, it's baseball, it's basketball. It's whatever. I mean, any sport that you play, you're going to play hurt. I mean, you have to. And, and football is a sport that, you know, you're taught not to complain. You're taught mm -hmm. not. You're taught. That, that's what you're taught. You know, you're taught. Well, as a kid, I'm going to get, you know, you're thirsty. You don't need no water, son. You know, you get water when it's time for a water break. You know, now they give you, you know, you need water, you just go get it. Back then, in the 70s and 80s, uh-uh. You didn't get no water. You get water when it's a water break. And that was usually that one time. So... It was just, it, it was a different time, but, um, you know, that's, just, that's, that's how you grew up. And football is a, a, a man's sport, it's a tough man's sport. So you got to be psychologically tough. You got to go play injured, you know. What's the training regime like at that time that you guys well, are, are working hard to, I, I'm getting to a point in a minute with the folks that people think that things are easy, and you make it look easy, but the talent and the, 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 the psychological endurance and physical endurance behind the scenes most people ain't cut out for that. Well, you know, one thing is, and I, 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 when I talk, when I talk to, to, 
to people and talk to especially young, young athletes. I said, look, I said, first of all, you think you're going to play pro football. It's a 90% chance you're not going to make it. Because I didn't plan on making pro football. It, was just, it just happened. And I said it was a blessing. Because, I mean, that wasn't my goal. I mean, I didn't think I'm going to be a pro football player one day. But everybody thinks they're going to be a pro football player one day. And it just, it's, it's, it's something that, that you always have to work hard at it. Because, like I told my, my cousin, he plays for the Redskins. He plays for the Redskins now. And I won't forget, he was, he was a really good athlete. He went to Texas A&M, Ricky Seals-Jones. And I won't forget, I told him, I said, I said, look, son, I said, I said, one thing about you, Rick, I said, you're a good athlete. I said, but you, you're lazy. I can tell you're lazy in certain areas. Like, you'll be going hard and you, you'll slack off. I said, but, you know, you got the kids over in Florida. You got the kids in California, because he's from Texas with me, like I am. You, you got the kids in Texas, I mean, California. You got the kids in Florida. You got some of the kids in Texas. I said, those kids want to get out of the hood. They do whatever it takes to try to get there. Not saying it's going to happen. I said, but you got to have that kind of mentality. That's the mentality you have to have when you want to excel at a sport. You got to want to be great, not good. You got to be want to be great. You want to you want to set yourself apart from everyone else. If I'm a musician, I want to be the best musician there is. If I'm a if I'm a photographer, I want to be the best photographer there is. My my man, I was taught that by my dad. My dad taught me. He said, "Look, son." He learned me this lesson at a young age. He had a saying, and his saying was, son, all that you do, do with your might. Things done by halves are never done right. I didn't get that at first. And so one day I, I got up and I went to, it was a Saturday. I was probably about 13 years old. And we, had a, we almost had an acre of land. And you had to cut it with a push lawnmower. Mm -hmm. So I get up early. I'm going to cut the lawn, cut the yard, and I'm going to you know, go out and play with the guy, play with my friends. And I get up, cut the yard, and <laughs> he comes outside. He says, you cut the yard? I said, I said yes, sir. He said, you cut the yard? I said, yes, sir. He said, boy, turn around, look at that yard. I turned around, it was patches everywhere. Because I was rushing. Mm -hmm. He said, son, what did I tell you? All that you do, do what you might. Things done by halves are never done right. He said, cut that whole yard again. I got it after that. Because, you know, and that's, that's a true statement. It really is. If you think about it, you think I'll tell anyone that. If you half-ass do something, it's not going to be done right. I mean, if you, if, if you half-ass work out, it's not going to be done right. Because somebody is doing it 100%. That guy that, that just puts a little bit more into it, and you go against him, you're like, because I'm going to tell you, when you play a sport, play for like football, you, you cross some guys, and you're like, man, this, he is putting it on my ass. <laughs> or, or, or you feel like, I'm putting it on his ass today. I'm giving it to him. You, mm -hmm. you know. You, just, you, got, you, you know when you're doing it. So, you know, that's what it comes down to. If you want to be, if, if be good, great, or you want to be average. You know, I, 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 uh, I'm really happy you said the thing about there's some young, hungry young men out there that are, they're going to work their ass off and give something 100% to try to go be somebody. And um, I, I kind of have, you know, I've had two experiences in life where when I was young, uh, my father was from prison, my mother was uh, not the best mother, and I, had to, I was always in trouble. I had to do a lot of guess and check. I didn't have good mentors, I didn't have good role models, and that's how I think of it is I had to go try shit for myself and find out like, oh, you know, that's not a good path forward, but that's painful, you know? Mm -hmm. Go try a different way, oh, that's not a good path forward. And I had some good negative role models that <laughs> taught me things like, you know, I knew, that, I knew heroin wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I like the good negative role models. <laughs> yeah, I had some of those. I knew, you know, smoking cracks, not gonna give me the life that I want. <laughs> my, so, you know, I, I avoided some bad things that maybe I wouldn't have, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm grateful for that, but, um, you know, 35 years later, 35 years of hard work later, and you know, now I have nice things and I can travel where I want and do what I want. 
And now people just think it's like, you know, like, oh, there's uh, it's like a, uh, an overnight success or something. They don't know the other... Somebody gave it to you. That's yeah. The thing. The, the, I get so... I get pissed inside. That's and it. and that, I still got to control my emotions better mm -hmm. about that part because it's not right for me to do that. But it's my sincere emotion. Mm -hmm. Somebody, oh, your dad was probably rich or, yeah. you're, you know, you're, somebody did this or that. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I was stabbed as a teenager. I was fighting with everybody. And I had, you know, it was, it was not a pleasant environment that I lived in. And uh, I spent 90 days in jail when I was a teenager for, you know, violent type things. And... Um, now later I got three college degrees. I went to Ivy League graduate school. I made a lot of money. I made a lot more money. And I feel good about that. But now people look at that and they, they see the outcome, and they're like, you know, oh, the, you know, you know, you must have had a lot they, of advantages. They, they, they think you had it easy, don't they? Yeah, I know. I, I know. That. I always thought to myself, you know, even at that time, I thought, well, if I'm not putting in the work, somebody else is. You know, that if anything that I was going to dedicate myself to, I wanted to make sure that I did the best I could at it. And, you know, I made some, you know, some people say sacrifices. I generally think of them as investments that I generally think of investments where, you know, well, I'm not going to do this, this or that because I want to I want to say no to a lot of things so I could say yes to the couple things that I wanted most. I, and you might have thought about it in different words, but no doubt you had lived a similar experience that there's a lot of things you have to say no to to say yes to the couple things that's most important to you. I, I mean, what you said is so true. And like I said, I, don't, I think I finished my thought earlier because I kind of forgot um, when you when you have made it, they look they look at a finished product. It's like a person looks at let's let's take LeBron James. Let's take LeBron James. People look at LeBron James. Oh my! They don't know it. Oh man, he had it easy, man. It, 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 everything was given to him. Was like, man, let me tell you something. You don't understand. Sure, it's, it's a lot of kids that young men like yourself, like you said, you've been stabbed, you've been in jail, but they don't know that. They look at they look at they see you on on television. They see they see the finished product. You know it's like a car. When you see the finished product, wow, that's nice. But they don't see the wires go in it. They don't see the engine. They don't see the ignition. They don't see the hard work that goes into it. When it's really when it's just like damn, that's it. It's, it's like going it's like going to a house that's a sh like a like a like like a, a shack. But all of a sudden you go back a year later like. That's that same house. Mm -hmm. That's that same house. Mm -hmm. That's that same house. You know, but it's a lot of hard work. That house didn't just like all of a sudden miraculously boom. I'm gonna make myself nice. Didn't work. That's not how. That's not how life works. But and the, and the sad thing about that, you have people who, who want that life, but they don't want to sacrifice for that life. They don't. They don't want to do the hard work for it. And all this is a lot of hard work, man. Let me tell you something. I've had my ups and downs. It was not always easy. I can only, people who know me know this about me. No one has ever given me nothing, not a damn thing. The man above has given me everything. I mean, I have been vilified. I was vilified for standing up because I wanted to be paid more. And may pay more. I was, in, I was in the second pick in the NFL draft. I'm making $150,000. I mean, John Elway was my buddy. I mean, I came out the same draft. John was the first pick. He making a million dollars. Something wrong with that picture. I mean, it's something. That's number a big two disparity. Got 15 that's a big disparity. Guy. I mean, that's a big disparity. But I was greedy. I was the. I was the ingrate. I was the <laughs> malcontent. Words I'd never heard of. I mean, I'm like, what's the malcontent? Never heard of that. What's the ingrate? Never heard of that. But I, my, you know, and my mother, she hated it because, sir, I know how I raised you. I don't know what kind of young man you are. I mean, and my, my, I have. I mean, I'm still that same guy. You know, it makes me feel good. I just saw some of my buddies. That uh, I went to college with in 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 in, uh, in Vegas, we had the uh, I just got into the College Hall of Fame 40 years later, kind of late, but anyway, <laughs> that's a whole nother subject. 
Um, and they told my best friend again, one sent me a, a long text message. He said, Eric, he said, man, I just want to thank you. for You were always a humble guy when I met you when you were 18 years old. He said, you've even become more humble now. Because I was always that guy. I never changed. I mean, I've never changed. I've always been the same guy. Look, if, no offense, I'm going to say, if I didn't fuck with you then, I don't fuck with you now. If you were my guy, I was always your guy. I mean, and it's not about the money. It's not about your fame. I just like good people. I mean, I like really good people. My friend brought something to my mind. He said, Eric, he said, remember the guy? It was a guy that, that worked. He was a, like one of the, kind of worked at the, at the campus. I think his name was Raymond. I can't remember his name. Raymond. I think his name was Raymond. He said, remember? I said, oh, yeah, I remember him. He said, remember he came part of, the, part of our team. I said, he said, you know why? Because why? he was, he was like, kind of like, not a gardener, but just kind of worked around campus. And mm -hmm. I had him come to practice one day, come mm -hmm. over to practice. And I said, no, I said, no, come on over to practice. Come out and watch practice. Stand out there and watch. And he started coming over, and I'd, I always get him to come over. And all of a sudden, for the next thing I knew, he had the coach's sweater on. He was like traveling with us. He's part of the team. And, and he said, Eric, you know why? Because you liked him. I didn't think about that. I never, I never thought about that. But you know what? I had more in common with that guy than I had more in common with the, the, with the rich booster. Because I was that guy. I mean, I came from nothing. I mean, and, and I've always felt like that. I still feel like that. When people tell me, man, you're a legend, that's uncomfortable to me. It's just, just not, it's not me. I'm a country boy from Sealy, Texas. I was blessed by God for the talent I had. But you know what? I used it. I used what I had, just like, just like you. Like you said, you used it. You went to Ivy League school. I mean, if you go back, I bet you as teachers say, you ain't gonna amount to nothing. <laughs> he, he, we'll see you, I'll see you in prison. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had some, I'm back. I, honestly, I had a few, I had a few young, a few teachers when I was young that, you know, they encouraged me to focus. They said polite things to you. Nobody says this shit when you're older now. Mm -hmm. I'm 42 at the moment. Young and, man. you know, when you're, when you're under 30, somebody might still say, oh, you got a lot of potential. But on your 30th birthday, a man never hears those words again. They, yeah. You don't hear about your potential. There's, uh, there's a, a focus on, you know, what have you done? What have you accomplished so far? Yeah. What a strong bias towards what have you accomplished recently? And that's fair enough. But when I was a little kid, yeah, the, you know, um, I had a good IQ. I was a mischievous, you know, little, I was always in trouble. I wasn't good at following. I had a good work ethic, and I wanted to learn things, but I wasn't good at following instructions, unless I understood. If somebody could explain to me, well, hey, dumbass, you got to do it because this, I'd be like, oh, all right. And, and I do it just how they said, you know, mm -hmm. but when somebody just kind of give you an order or barking at you, I, I wasn't, I was a little too strong-headed for that. Sometimes it was good for me, sometimes it wasn't. All the things I got in trouble for as a teenager made my life as an adult, you know? <laughs> the same strong-headed things, and you, you can relate to that in some I can way. Relate to, I can relate to that. All the same sure. little strong-headed things, so I would listen to some of those people, nothing would happen. But yeah, some people say very nice things, that, you know, philosophic of, you know, get focused on something and apply yourself. There's always a few people that, some that, pretty rough. that, that put you on the right path. It's, it's, it's always that one person or two people that kind of put you on the right path. I can think of uh, one guy that helped me, uh, and I was talking about it to, today in an interview, um, uh, a guy, he said, Eric, tell me about the guy James Abernathy. He was a guy from another town. Uh, he, he loved sports. And uh, I'd quit football. I'd quit playing because I didn't like my coach. My coach, I mean, honestly, he was a racist. I mean, he came from East Texas. He had never coached blacks before. So it was different from him. It, it was different. He probably had never been around blacks. I mean, that's just the facts. And so I said, a guy named James Abernathy, I won't forget, I quit. I think I quit my sophomore year. I quit playing. And he came by my house, and I'll never forget, he pulled up. And Mama said, that's Shaq out there. And I, and I always liked Shaq. I liked him. You know, good guy. 
I said, hey, what's up, Shay? He said, hey, Eric, how you doing? I said, good. He said, Miss Dickinson, you know, do you mind if I take Eric and talk to him for a minute? She said, sure, take him and talk to him. I ain't had no idea what he was talking about. So we got in the car, car rode around. Now, you got to think, my hometown, it had one red light. One red light, oh. 2,000 people. You know, and it was like black lived on one side of the track, whites on the other side. That's how it was. So we riding around. He said, Eric, he said, man, how you doing? I said, I'm good, Shaq. He said, man, I heard you quit football. I said, yeah, man, that white man, he raises, I don't like him, blah, blah, blah. He said, I said, all the black, all the brothers quit except one. One, one guy didn't quit. Winston Brown's the only guy that stayed. And he said, so, so, he said, so, so let me ask, what you going to do? And he going, you going to play? I said, I don't know, Shaq. I said, man, he said, well, if you don't want to play in Sealy, he said, come over to Brookshire and play. That's where he's from, Brookshire, Texas. I said, I'll think about it. So he, he, he talked some more. He said, let me ask you a question, Eric. What do you see here huh? as I ride around? I said, man, I don't see nothing. He said, Eric, exactly. There's nothing in this town, Eric. He said, it's a bunch of drunks, drug addicts. He said, it's, a, he said, it's nothing here, Eric. Uh -huh. He said, let me tell you something, son. He said, you're one of the best athletes we've ever seen in these parts. And I was shocked. And think about it. I'm, what are you in? What are you in when you were 10th grade? 16? About 16? I was about 16 years old. I'm like, Really? He said, Eric, he said, you're one of the best athletes you've ever seen. He said, let me tell you something, son. He said, this could be your way out of this town. This could be your way out. And I never thought about that at all. So I, I, I just kind of listened to him. He said, Eric, he said, if you don't want to play here in Sealy, he said, come over to Brookshire. We'd love to have you over there. So when I, he dropped me off back at home. My mom said, what did he say to you? And I told her the same thing. I told him what he said. And, um, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to. I wanted to play football, but I didn't want to play for that, that man again. I didn't want to play for him again. Mm -hmm. But... Um, he came around, that coach came around to everyone's house in, like in that, the off season in the summer and talked to, to all the parents and, and because my best friend called me, Gary Hill, he said, hey man, has Rabbit Harris been to your house? I said, no, he said, he's coming by there, he want to talk to us about coming back to play football. I said, really? He said, yeah, sure enough, he pulls up. So he comes up, you know, comes in, talks to my mom, talks to me, and I said, and I told him, I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll see. And when he left, you know, I didn't, I didn't say I was going to play or not, but I talked to the other, other young kids and we all decided Blacks, we're going to come back and play. Now, it wasn't no, it wasn't no happy ending. Like, wasn't no, like, oh, we love each other. Still didn't like him. Still didn't like that man. But we did want to state championship. And in spite of him, I got to say, just like Shaq said, I mean, think about this. I mean, because it still trips me out still to this day. I mean, that's a long time ago. But in 1979, you know, back in Sealy, Texas, I was the number one recruit in the whole nation from a small town of Sealy, Texas, you know. Airway, I was one, Airway was two, Marino was three. <laughs> that just, that, that, that still blows my mind. But that is what that man, I say, just him talking to me and God did for me. You know, going back and playing a sport. I loved football. I loved, I loved everything about it. But I didn't like that guy, the, 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 my, my head coach. And so in spite of him, you know, I was able to overcome that. And you know, get a scholarship, go to college, because there was no way I was going to college. I mean, we had no money to go to college, mm -hmm. so that's how I was, was able to go to college, just playing playing college football. When you when you uh, had those achievements under your belt, you had those initial early stage achievements, and you might not like the guy you were working with, but you know, you you pulled it together. You and the other guys, you know, pulled off a championship, which is very impressive. If you don't, if you have a hard time with the, <laughs> with the management, that's extremely impressive, really. But you know, when you found other people that were more nurturing, that you know you had, you related to more, or related to you more, cared more about you, you know, did you have a, a did you have another mentor, or coach, somebody in your life that um, was more positive and helped move you along? For when I ask Carlos this sort of question, he'll say Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson was his coach, and 
uh, at Miami, mm -hmm. and you know Jimmy Johnson. You, you know who he is. He's a fantastic. Uh, yeah, coach. He's yeah. stone mm -hmm. for that. Do you, yeah. Did you have that sort of man in your life? Well, you know, after my dad passed, and I'll say this here, my dad was the best man I ever knew. Hmm. Best man I ever knew. My dad was, and he didn't see me play professional football. He didn't see me say college football. He died my junior year when I was in high, high school, and um, still to this day, that's that's still tough for me. And I mean, that's been. 40 something years ago, my, my, November 3rd, 1977, whatever that was. I mean, and still to this day, I still get emotional about it because that was the guy for me. That was my dad. I mean, I was adopted, but that was my only dad. I, I mean, that was the guy that I knew. I loved him. But if I would say it was another guy that, that really helped me, it would have to be my head coach, Ron Meyer. And he just passed away like three years ago. I mean, that's, that's how I ended up at, that's how I wound up at SMU. Uh, I mean, he, he recruited my mother. I mean, you know, that's, that's how it works. I mean, you, got, you get mom or grandma, you get the parents, you, you get them. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's, how, that's, that's how it works. I mean, I wanted to go to OU. I, never, I wanted to go to Oklahoma. And, 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 and my mother was like, Eric, you ain't going. I mean, I committed to him. I committed. I tell him, I'm coming. I never get they walked out. She said, you ain't going, Eric. That man's a liar. I don't trust him. Hmm. I'm like, mama. That was Coach Barry Switzer. You ain't going to school there. I'm like, but mom, nope. She's Eric. You ain't going there. He said, you're a Texas boy. Why don't you stay in the state of Texas? Make a long story short. A couple of weeks later, Ron Meyer came to the house, and he said all the right things. She loved him. Um, he he kept his word to me. He kept his word to her. Kept his word to me, and um, that was my guy. I mean, I, that was. And he, I think about this here. You know, I always tell people. You know, it's not about it's not about the color of your skin either. I think people get to me caught up on black, white. You know, it's about the, it's about the this. It's about your heart. It's about it's about the, your heart. That's what it comes down to. Because I feel like when you die, you ain't going as a black man. You ain't going as a, as a white man to heaven or whatever. You go to hell, or you're just going as a spirit. I mean, so for me, that man was 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 the guy that, after my dad passed away, that made I think the most impact, you know, in my life. And it's funny how a lot of players talk about their coaches, like their high school coaches or their college coaches. A coach a coach has a lot of weight. I'm gonna tell you, they really do. I mean, it, would, it could be like a person loves music. It could be their music teacher or their piano teacher, you know, whatever. It's, it's that person that can kind of mold you and make you the person that, that you are because, because they always putting positive stuff into you. It's probably, look, we're not gonna be good all the time. I'm sure, you wasn't. I know damn. Well, I, I, I got plenty of problems too. I, know, I, know, damn I try problem. to be a little less dumb. Yeah, every I know. Day. Damn, I know I wouldn't, but I wasn't a bad. I, I couldn't be a bad kid because my mother was. My mother was not messing around, Jack. She would. That's why I never did drugs. He said, I'll kill your ass if I catch you doing drugs. And she meant it. So, you know, um, I was blessed in a, in a lot of ways, like I say, being adopted, but I was blessed in a whole lot of ways. You know, uh, I, I didn't bring it up the first time you mentioned it, but you brought it up again. And my mother was adopted. And my adopted grandparents and her, I never knew my biological grandparents on my mother's side. But the, my grandparents on that side, they were the most important people in my early life. That My, my dad was... Uh, my dad was in prison for a lot of my childhood, and uh, my mother was. And uh, but yeah, the, you know, the, they were just middle class people. There, there were some small town people, just like you talked about. There were there were some rural people from Illinois, and uh, she worked in a factory. And you know, he had an eighth grade education and worked on like heavy equipment, like cranes and backhoes and stuff. And uh, they, they, they looked out for me. And I think a lot of the, the people I grew up with. You know, my six closest friends, three of them are dead from childhood. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> one of them is doing 30 years. One of them is doing wow. life. 
and one of them was crippled up because he was a dumbass and got himself injured uh, being drunk and high, you know. And what I look around at that is, um, I, I don't really talk about this with other people, but I guess I am today. But I, I, sometimes I feel that, you know, I, I ask like, well, you know, what the hell was the difference between those are the people I was hanging out with all the time, and you're going to be a lot like the people you're hanging out yeah. with all the time. And I really think that, you know, that was one of the big influences. Just those couple middle class people put a couple thoughts in my head that, um, you know, if you if you learned more, you you know you'd earn more. If you if you knew better, you'd do better. Sort of thoughts of, um, you know, taking a personal responsibility and finding a better path. And so they they used to say a couple of nice words to me here and there, and um, it encouraged me to, to not be in some of the the most awful mischief that some of my friends were. If that makes sense, you know, uh, that, that helped me a lot. So and, and they they weren't my biological family, but they're the closest thing to family I ever had in my life. And when you said that about your father, I, you know, I, I felt that inside because I had people like that in my life. You know, for, for sometimes it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take someone to, to be your, your biological family member, dad, brother, sister. Uh, my best friend uh, is Charles Drayton. We've been friends since I met him in college in 1979. And he is like a brother to me. I mean, when I see like a brother, we're, we're like brothers. Uh, I have another guy who lives right here in Santa Monica, my boy Randy Mondello. He's a white guy, Italian. He's like a brother to me. You, I, you think I look at him as being white? That's my boy. You know, that's all I care about because, you know, the thing, the thing is, it's, I always say it's about the person. It's about the person. It's about, you know, like I say, my dad wasn't my dad, but that's all I knew was my dad. And, and, and it's, it's about how people treat you. you. If you think back, you think about teachers you knew. Just think about a teacher you knew. Think about the teachers you didn't like. Think about those, mm -hmm. and then think about the teachers you like, the ones that spoke positive things to you. Mm -hmm. You know, try to help you along the way. Just say, hey, look, you shouldn't be doing that, do this, you know, you're good, you know, I you know you have, whatever whatever they say. Then you think about the one that said, you ain't gonna amount to nothing, you know, or you, know, you ain't gonna get out of here. You, you always remember those ones. I remember, I remember it very well, the teachers that I didn't like, and I remember the ones I liked. I, I had an English teacher named Miss Oram in, in college. And, I won't forget, she told me, she said, she said, Eric, you, you're really smart. She said, but you know what thing is? You're lazy. She was right. I had to give it to her. She was right on, but, but, she, but, but she was right. And I hadn't talked to Miss Orm, man. I got a letter from her about four years ago. And I always thought about her. Because, you know, what? No, was no Instagram, was no Twitter, really wasn't cell phones. You know, when I left college, there were no cell phones. Uh, answer machines. I said, not had no, you know, and I actually tell I said, I tried to get to come to my football games. I said, I'm a, I'm a pretty good football player. She's come watch me play. I'm pretty good. <laughs> I, I did. I said, I'm pretty good. She said, well, why come on, why you play one of these times? She never did. And so uh, she wrote me a letter, and this was, like I said, about five years ago. She said, I never forget, she kind of started saying, you might not remember, remember me. My name is Miss Nancy Orham. I was your English teacher, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, you said that you were pretty good football player, and I should come out and watch you sometime. I remember you in my English class. You were very smart, but she said, but you were lazy. <laughs> and I, I she still said that she all said those years that, later? But you were lazy, but you, but you could be lazy. And uh, she said, I'm fighting cancer, and my doctor's one of your biggest fans. She said, would you mind sending him an autograph picture? And some, man, I wrote her back, because uh, she had a number. I sent her a long email. I sent her, her an email, and I said, do I remember you? Most definitely I remember you. I say for sure, Miss Orm, I'll send your doctor a picture, an autograph picture. And uh, on the picture I, mean, I wrote, I said, you take care of my favorite teacher. Hmm. You know, it's, it's just stuff like that. And see, something like that, some, some stuff like that, it's, it's small. 
That's, that's little. I mean, but think about that. I mean, I didn't know that lady that well. I didn't know her really at all. She was a teacher, you know. And it's certain teachers or certain people that come to your life that make a big difference. And it doesn't have to be a parent. It doesn't have to be a brother. It doesn't have to be uh, someone that you even hang out with. They could come in and just say something but just like Shaq did for me, you know, about, look, Eric, he said, you're one of the best kids we've ever seen in these parts ever. I was like, me? I mean, but I still remember, I still remember that. I still remember that Shaq has passed on. I'm 61 years old now. I mean, he told me that when I was basically 16, and I've never forgotten it. So, like I say, you know, it's, it's a lot of things in, in our lives that, that make us who we are, who make up the person we are. And, and I've had a lot of those people in my life. I, this conversation is taking a, a. I let these go wherever they go. I don't. I don't have an agenda, you know. But it's taking an interesting path and, I, and, a, and a unique one. I'm happy about it, and I mean that sincerely. And I have both of those anchors in my head of people that said nice things to me. That somewhere in the back of my head, I still feel like I have to live up to that standard of what they saw in me before I saw that in myself. And then there's some people that said some shitty things, and I still have little anger once You're in angry a while. That of course. I'm like, nah, that. That shit ain't true, and let me go work a little bit harder today to make sure that shit don't become true. Of course, of course. Yeah, that, that's, I was that's motivated life. by both yeah. of those circumstances in different yeah. ways. People don't really talk about that, but I think, I think that's a very useful thing that you touched on, that um, people don't talk about that. But I had to work my ass off to go find positive mentors and positive role models and you know, earn my way through school. And I got three college degrees later, and uh, I, I didn't want to... I, I just thought, you know, I, I studied business all the time. I was, we didn't have no goddamn money, so I wanted to, I wanted <laughs> to go either. get some. And <laughs> I'm 50% I'm uh, Jew by heritage, and, you know, a, a Jew without money is like you're not even accepted <laughs> by your own people, you understand. So any, any wealthy Jews I meet today, that <laughs> when I tell someone, yeah, it's not right. That, that, that's funny. Look, I can say I've never heard that. <laughs> that's right. It's, a, it's such a bizarre idea. You can't help but laugh <laughs> when right. you hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's like that's like a black person without soul. It's just not right. <laughs> it's, just, something, it's something wrong. You ain't got no rhythm, brother. Uh, you ain't got no rhythm. That ain't right. <laughs> so I had to live up to the the standard my ancestors would have expected of me. Um, <laughs> but I'm also 25 percent Native American, and I, I thought to myself, well, I'm goddamn happy. I don't have to live in a teepee. So I, my my ancestors yeah, yeah, there would yeah. like me to. You know, yeah, they'd be that. happy to have I, the penthouse I, I have today right. instead of uh, the circumstances we would have had. But, um, man, I, I, I had, uh, I, I really tried, you, you, you said this, but I just elaborate. I really tried to take advantage of, I felt like I didn't have a lot of opportunities, but I thought, well, your brain works, and if you're willing to work too, you're going to go create some opportunities. And I just wanted to be around a better group of people, and I really worked really hard at that, that uh, I was out shoveling snow and walking dogs and raking leaves and cutting lawns and you know all the you know everything you could do as a young man trying to find a couple dollars and you know seven eight nine ten years old and mm. I had a paper route then I had four paper routes and then I'd you know I'd manage the paper routes but other people were doing the paper routes oh, yeah, and so yeah, on. You, so. Yeah, you had that business mentality at a young age. Early. Yeah early. early age yeah. And I'm a high school dropout I never finished high school so I had to go to community college first and I got some scholarship money to go to you know proper you know, bachelor's degree and then I graduated their highest honors. I went to Ivy League school, the nerd school as an adult, you know. But uh, the, 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 I, I at least knew early that if I was around better people, that you know, I was going to take that in. I was going to perform better, too. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, it looks like you made the best of that, that you, you had some natural talents uh, in different ways than I did. I, I just had a, I had a good nerdy brain that I was good at seeing something over here and seeing something over there and putting the pieces together and making something happen with it and finding pragmatically better outcomes that were going to be um, financially prosperous for, for myself and for people around me. That I find, you know, funny thing about life that the more I can help other people accomplish their goals, the, the happier they are to help me with mine. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah. I learned that early and, yeah. uh, and took that to heart. So I thought, well, the most, more useful I could be to others, the happier they are to be useful to me. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Now. When, when, when you do something for, for people, like I can say for myself, I don't know about you, but when, when, I, when I help someone and do something for someone, it makes me feel, I, I like giving. I'm a giver. I just feel like that, especially when someone is appreciative of it, like when they really appreciate it, it just really makes me feel good inside. I mean, I won't forget one time, this is years ago. I, I wasn't playing, for, I think I just retired from football and I'm in um, Beth Bath, Bed Bath and Beyond. And i um, walking around looking for stuff uh, and um, it was a lady, she had some really thick glasses on and she was looking in this, she was looking in this mirror that had a light on it. And um, she was like, she was like, wow, I can really see how to put my makeup on with this mirror. I just heard, I was just kind of walking by, I heard it. And, and, I said, and I said, wow, that's a nice mirror. She said, isn't it nice? I said, it really is nice, because it lit up. Mm -hmm. And she said, she looked at the price and said, wow, this is like 200 bucks. She said, I can't afford that. And I just, I, I said, wow, that is, I didn't, I, to myself, I said, that, that, that didn't seem like expensive. So, and she, and she kept looking at it, she walked away. And I, I went to the lady, I said, hey, I said, give her that mirror. And don't tell her who gave it to her. Just, just, give, just give it to her. I'll pay for it. And the, the lady, the, the salesman, she, the lady, she started crying. She mm. said, that's so nice. I, I said, because to me, just giving her that little 200 bucks, I mean, that's, to me, that's not a lot of money. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a, got a whole lot of money, but I mean, right now and back then, $200 was not, that's not a lot. I mean, I wouldn't take 200 bucks and set it on fire. Don't get me wrong, ain't no fool. But I just felt like, just to do something for that lady, never knew me, she didn't know me, I didn't tell her my name, nothing like that. It just made me feel real good. It made me feel good inside. And, and, and I won't forget, I went back like a couple of weeks later, and she said, because uh, she asked me my name, I said, my name is Eric, she never knew my last name. She said, she saw me, she said, I have a note for you. I said, really? She said, the lady that, that, that mm -hmm. you bought the mirror, she left you a note. And she said, I just want to thank you, my guardian angel, she said, I love my mirror. Man, and that that just that little gesture, man, that's a small gesture. That's something small, but I, I've, I've never forgotten it, and it made it made me feel good about doing something because, you know, I'm I'm big on helping people. I just feel like for me, I've been blessed. I have. I mean, because I know and I, I keep saying this. I know it sounds redundant, but I, I know where I came from. I never forgot it. I'm I'm a small town boy from a small town in in Texas. From like, this don't happen. I mean, when, when, when people would say about me, man, Eric, he can't play no pro. I hear that all day. Man, he can't play no pro football. I mean, when I got a scholarship, man, Eric ain't that good. He ain't going to college, man, please. He ain't going to, them the big boys up there, <laughs> you know. And then when I, my first year, I struggled. I struggled my first year badly. I ain't injury. See, he ain't going to make it over there. I mean, and it was tough. I went back home, you know, when we went back again, and I got a little bit better. Yeah, he, he can't play no college football. Then I got, then I started getting really good. Then I got really good. My senior, I was, I was like, I feel like a man playing with boys. That's how I feel. Cause I was as running back. I'm big. I'm big. I was six three. I was fast. You know, I was fast. A little guy, so I could do stuff that little guys could do. So you'd hear. And now think about this: in your own hometown, people in your town, 
be like it would be like somebody in your wherever you come from saying man he can't make it he ain't smart enough you know why you think he going to Ivy League school <laughs> <laughs> he fucking he gonna go to jail I said that's what it's like for me same thing I mean man Eric ain't gonna get no pro man he can't play no pro football yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me and all of a sudden when I made him pro you know man. Yeah, he good, but he ain't my kind of player. <laughs> you know, you just—it's always an excuse, always the next, the next excuse, and and I just, you know, my thing is, I just love proving them wrong. The the only person that did a damn thing from the community I came from was a guy named Mike Goff. He went and played football, and I, I don't know if you know his name, and mm -hmm. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I think he played ten years or something like that. G O F F. Um, but um. I never followed his. We weren't friends, and I didn't mm -hmm. follow his career. But but he was from the community, and I knew who he was. And um, and there there was still an awareness in my mind of you know I, nobody was doing anything back there. They were just they were just content to you know. Stay Where are you from? Wait, Chicago, Central Illinois. Oh, I grew Illinois. Up, I grew up in Illinois. You know, hour outer an hour outside of Chicago, and uh, you know <laughs> in that community, my dad was uh, my dad was the biggest cocaine trafficker in my county's history. <laughs> And I'm, I'm seven years old, and he's on the front page of the newspaper for, for months. Not, not an exaggeration, for months. And you said the biggest tra co cocaine trafficker? Yeah. Wow. Dope on the table in the courtroom and pictures on the front page. And when you go to school, you know, people, people say to you, you know, they don't treat you fairly. They, their father said whatever they said at home, and yeah. said, my dad said your dad, dad blah, blah, yeah, blah, My dad said your dad, so, yeah. I, I got comfortable with confrontation, I'll say it that way. I got comfortable with verbal and physical confrontations because of that. And I'm trying to be a tough guy. And, I, I, you know, the guys I grew up with that were tough guys, it didn't turn out well for them later in life, you know. So I wasn't trying to be a tough guy or fight with people. But I, I just, I was in that context where, you know, somebody pushes you or hits you. And I always thought anybody that's tough enough to put their hands on me must be tough enough to get hit back. And yeah. so I just had a lot of those type of experiences when I was young. And I, I, you know, I didn't like that. And um, I worked hard to get away from that, you know. I didn't want to be in that type of environment. Funny enough, I got a lot of fighter friends as an adult. That <laughs> some of them come train with me, and uh, I'm nowhere nowhere near a pro fighter, but a couple of my buddies are, and uh, they come teach me boxing and some MMA stuff. And uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it reminds me, my cardio is uh, not what it could be. Neither is mine. Trust me. But yeah, man. Um, I had a little brain fart. I got so caught in the moment I lost track of it. There was a good you, point you in there that you, you... You ain't like me. You could no, forgetful. I was, I was no good at football. I mean, I was, I was a decent-sized kid, but I wasn't good as compared nah, to kids saying, who were good, when, good. When you, when, you, when you play that sport I played, man, you forget stuff. There's so many guys like, like me that's like... I, just, I was in, um, in Newport Beach today seeing a neurologist, you know, yeah. from all you know, the concussions and, and CT and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's, that's a real deal. I mean, I, I got to say, you know, people, and the guy asked me today in another interview, he said, would you do it again? Would you, would, you, would you do it, would you play a sport that you know could harm your body and do the things that, that you've seen happen to players? Would you do it all over? I said, yeah, but I do it, on, I do, I do it for one reason, my mother. I, I, do, I do it for her. I, I saw, I don't mean to interrupt you. No. I no. saw Dick Buckus years ago, maybe, eight, nine years ago, and he was in the Caesars Forum shops out in Vegas signing autographs at that mm -hmm. store over there, the sports memorabilia store. And, um, you know, I, I didn't follow the man's career. I was, frankly, I was too young, but, but I knew who he was, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I knew, like, yeah, that, that is a, a tough man, you know? And I, I saw him walk, and, you know, that, um, you know, he's walk, getting up and, and... He walks pretty bad. 
And it really took all his effort. And I know this yeah. is a tough man, you know. Mm -hmm. He's psychologically, mm -hmm. you know, strong, tough person. And it took a lot of effort for him just to walk. Yeah. And I, I had that anchor in my mind about that, that, um, that that's, a, that's a tough way to earn your money, you know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough living. People don't realize how tough it is, you know. You see it on TV and, and guys think, you know, I can do that. I, guys sit at home, oh, man, I could have made that tackle. How you missed that tackle? Mm -hmm. How you didn't catch that ball? What the hell? He making all that money. I said, let me tell you something, Doc. You couldn't have made that tackle. You couldn't have made that tackle. You got your ass knocked out. You couldn't have, you couldn't have caught that ball. I mean, that stuff happens like a split. It's like that. It's a split second. I mean, I tell guys that all the time to think, I'll play some high school football. I'm like, man, <laughs> you play some high school football. That don't mean nothing. That's like saying, you know, I played in the band. But I think I go play, you know, I go go play in front of thousands of people because I played the band in high school. Yeah. That's not the same, you know. It's it's, it's a difference. That's professional. It's, it's real easy to be a critic. I try not Isn't to be any, anybody who's good at something. I try not to criticize any damn thing they do. That I, I just think it's, it's so hard to be good at anything, to be really good at anything. It is, and it's so easy to be a, a, a no talent critic to sit on your ass and oh, I, so and so could have done right this. Sit right here, on, call armchair coaches. Sit right here to talk yeah. about what what you could have did. If I my only, if I would have, if I could have, yeah. I said they said that's what losers say. If it I would have, could have, yeah. If it we'd have had one more man, if we'd have had one more quarter, we'd have won that game. You know, if I didn't fumble that ball, we'd have won. It's always you if know. I would have. Something I say frequently with my clients or friends, I say the number one thing a hater hates is themselves. <laughs> somebody, somebody always talking shit about something like, I don't know, go do better, man. Yeah. Go do better. I'm not, I'm not mad if somebody does better than I am at something, hey, but I, I might be inspired. I'm not mad at somebody if they're doing better See, than I, me. I, I'm not either. I, I'm happy for someone that does well. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, think, I think in our society today, you have so many people that, that hate on people for doing well. They're jealous, envious. I mean, it is. Well, you go out and do it. If, if you can't, be happy for that person. A lot of society is that way right now. I, I agree yeah. that I think a lot of the social media stuff has caused that. And Mike Tyson talked about this. It's like it's really easy to, you know, say some stuff behind the, I'm paraphrasing, but real easy to type some bullshit in your social media thing because you don't have the consequence of getting punched in the mouth. There you go. Hey, so yeah. every, every guy, everybody got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's it. Hmm. And that's the truth. Everybody got, oh, I could do this. Do you get hit? And that plan, it goes clean out the window then. The, the the comment you made before that I mean I meant to to elaborate on is about charity stuff. I donated. I was the number one donor to my undergraduate school. I had a, a professor there that looked out for me. His name was Fred Fry, and I, you know when he retired, he was uh, the head of the entrepreneurship department there. And when he retired, I, I made a scholarship in his name. And he said, you know, oh, you know, how do we want to do this? I said, you give it to whoever you want to. And uh, I said, I don't want to give it to anybody, you know, that wants a, some, a degree in some bullshit studies. <laughs> and I said, it's supposed to go to somebody that's entrepreneurially minded. Like, that's, that's what you helped me with, and that's how you spent your career. And I said, you know, you decide how we're going to give that money away, but uh, not some bullshit school administrator, you know. And I, then I went to my graduate school, and I was a top donor there for, you know, the whole time I was there, I was a top donor there, and I still donate money to the school. And uh, I don't get nothing out of that necessarily. But does it make you, does it make you, does it give you a good feeling about it? I, it, it does in a different way than you say, and maybe, you know, maybe I sound a little more callous or jaded or something, but I, I don't want to help anybody that don't want to help themselves. I agree with that. It's, it's, now, it's, what I, you said, that's, that yeah. doesn't contradict what you yeah, said about yeah, that lady, I, but yeah, there's I, sometimes I see something like that reminds me of my grandmother or something, and you yeah. know, I'm respectful of old people. I try to be nice to old people. Me too, because I, I, I grew up, my, my mother, I was, my, well, when I was adopted, my mother was 55, so I, mm -hmm. I had older parents, so. I'm real respectful, you know, it's yes ma'am, no ma'am. You know, I grew up in kind of the South in Texas, mm -hmm. instead of the South, so, you know, you're gonna be real respectful. 
real easy. I fly all the time, and real easy for me when I'm, you know, getting on the jet or getting off the jet. If I could help an old lady or an old man with their luggage or just little things like that, mm -hmm. that um, I, I don't get nothing for it. But I, but I feel happy. I, I, but it's still an extension of, you know, somewhere in my head is my grandmother in there. You know, if that makes sense. <laughs> somewhere in my head is. Uh, Always. Helping that blueprint of that type of person, always. that imprint I, I, in my head. Always, you know? I mean, that's that's uh, like you said. You always had that blueprint of of like. Well, me is my dad, and my mom. You know, I, I remember the sayings they said to me. Um, you know, it's just certain things you you never forget, no matter how old you get. I mean, like I said, that saying I told you what my dad said. You know, and um, all that you do, do what you might think done by halves or never done right. He told me that when I was about 15 or 16 years old. And he had another saying, son, it takes a second to get in trouble and a lifetime to get out. And I didn't get that out of it, but now when you think about it, that's such a true statement because you see these kids who, let's just, I'm gonna say just street, let's go, let's use street racing. I get me a brand new car, I go out here and I street race and I hit and I kill someone. Oh. That didn't take long, did it? But now your whole life has changed. Everything has changed now. You're probably gonna go to jail, you know, and 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 just it's just it's just little things like that that I think that when you're young you don't think about and you get older, you know it just becomes more, I guess more prevalent in your life. Yeah, a, a topic that has been on my mind a lot is uh, is all these. I'm just going to call them schemes as a summary statement. These get rich quick schemes. No such thing, but they you know. They, I yeah. I agree. I hold. I totally agree. But the internet has just got has just brainwashed a lot of young people that. You're supposed to get some some easy money real quick, and it's almost like it's it's like admirable amongst them. And like if you could make a lot of money without doing shit, they would prefer that over someone who who earned their way that oh, paid yeah. their dues. And it's just bizarre to me that like you wouldn't have the internal I, I wouldn't have the internal self confidence to be the person I am if things turned out that way. You know? Yeah. I mean, look, the only the the easiest way I gonna say it's it's hard that way too, but the quickest way to get rich. <laughs> Quick is win a lottery. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you see what those but, people do with that money. Yeah, but but even that, e even that, if you don't play, you can't win. It's like, man, I never win a lottery. Do you ever play? Well, no, I don't play. <laughs> How no. are you gonna win? <laughs> <laughs> I don't play the lottery. But, but, but I, but I want to win. It's a yeah. I'd love to pick up a free ticket, but cool. I, I'd actually go turn it into more money. But you see, a lot of people have won the lottery that. Uh, they ruin their life in various ways. I know. You must have seen a lot. Of, I, I seen a lot of sports guys, so for sure you did. That they got some money and didn't know how to manage it right, man, and uh, caused a whole of, lot of troubles in their a life. A lot, a lot of guys like that. I mean, you got to understand that 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 aspect of it too is because think about this. You 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 come from nothing. All of a sudden, let's just say you come from a let's say you come from in L.A. Let's say you grew up in the hood. You grew up in the hood, and and all of a sudden I got a, I got a, I got a million dollars. I don't know do the million dollars. You got, hey man, check it out, I got a deal, man. My boy got this, man. You gotta jump, check it out. You gotta mm -hmm. do this. And it sounds good, because you don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh my boy, you know, he know he's a he's a money manager, man. You know, mm -hmm. Pookie over here, Pookie know how to manage money. Man, Pookie don't know a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know? But 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 that's how you get caught because no, you, you're not Pookie's educated. hedge fund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't have you don't have the education. You know, no one around you had the education. Mommy had the education. Daddy had the education. Grandma had the education, and that's 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 for us, you know, in the black society, you know, where time, nine times out of ten it's one parent raising a kid, and that kid happens to make it. But 
you know, in the long run, if, if you don't get some real help, it's never going to work. Somebody's going to really help you. Eric, you told me earlier off camera that you got a new book coming out. Yep. January 2022, your book's coming out. Tell me about it. Uh, it's called Watch My Smoke. It's, it's a, a story of my life, basically. You know, my, 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 my life growing up, you know, uh, playing for, from the time I was a kid, you know, raising, you know, high school, college, pro, everything. It tells a lot. Um, people always want to know about the, the gold Trans Am, you know, like in college. Yeah. It, it talks about I, that. Heard it, talks about about that it talks about that also. But, um, and, and, and you know how I did the book is because when I would, we just, you know, sitting around, guys sitting around talking about stuff, and, and I was just, Derek, tell me, man, tell me, I heard about this here, but you tell me this here. And I would just start telling the stories, and they're like, man, you need to do a book. You need to do a book. My kids, my oldest daughter uh, is Erica. She's 34 years old. Um, I got a granddaughter, and then my youngest daughter, um, Carrie, she's uh, 16. Both of them, they would say, Dad, you're the best storyteller. I mean, I just, I would make up stories. I used to make up, just going to school, make up stories, and, 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 and then all they would ask me about my childhood. And, and, and so that was one reason I wanted to do it, because everybody said, man, Eric, you, you tell a story so good. Because you, 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 I like to do the, if it's somebody has a voice in there, I do their voice, and I do my voice. So, <laughs> so you know, doing this book was just, it was, it was really a good thing because it brought back a lot of old memories. Some hurtful, you know, some not so hurtful. A lot of good things, a lot of bad things, you know. You know, how I felt about things in college, my high school, how I felt about my high school coach, you know, how I felt about the NFL. Like I say, I always say this, it was a sport that I loved so much, but at the end, it made me hate it so much. Hmm. And, and, that's, and that's sad because a lot of players feel like that. But I'm, I'm proud of my book. I'm proud of it when it comes. I think a lot of people like it if you read it. Um, I had a couple of book readers that read it, and they said, man, Eric, it's really good. It's really entertaining. Um, and that's what I want. I mean, I, I want them to like it. And, and it's, all, it's all true. I'm sure there's a compelling story in there. There's a lot as well. of compelling stories in there, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know the thing about it? It talks about a lot of with, with race, you know, the race, you know, because my, you got to understand, my mother that raised me, she was born in 1904. Mm -hmm. So she saw a lot of things. I'll never forget, it was a, it was a little white girl that, that I liked in high school. Her name was Sheila Tomlinson. And uh, she was, because she would always talk about Eric the white man. And my mother, she looked like a white lady because her mom was half white. And she said, Eric can tell that white man is no good. She said, you can't trust him, blah, blah. And, and, and I, you know, I, you know I, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I grew up in, I had segregated, I went to a segregated school for a while, then I went to, the, you know, up to the, to the school where we, I went to white kids and stuff. But we knew a lot of them anyway because we were kids. But she was like, Eric, she said, you know, because this girl I liked, she said, I'm not having that shit, Eric. She said, I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I saw with my own eyes. She said, I saw him cut the black man's private side, stick in his mouth. I saw it. I saw him tar and feather for no reason. I saw this. Not what nobody told me. I saw it. And so, you know, my mother was a big influence in my life. She really was. But, you know, I just felt like that some of the stories, you know, some of that stuff need to come out. But I just feel like I always told I always told her this. I said, Mom, I said, Times change. She said, yeah, it does change. She said, but people don't change all the time. She said, some people do. And I'll never forget at the, at the, end, of, at the end of her life, she died when she was 96 years old. Hmm. She said, because she always wanted me to get Sarah guy. She said, you going to ever get married, son? I said, Mom, I don't know that married thing for me. She said, she said let, me, let, me, let me say something to you. She said, I always want you to have a black wife. And she did. She wanted me to have a black wife. She said, but 
at this point, Eric, I don't care if they're black, if they're white. <laughs> just once you get married. She said, she said, she said, she would say the black ones ain't shit, the white ones ain't shit. She said, Eric, I just want you to have a woman that loves you for you. And I never thought I'd ever hear, hear, hear her say that. Hmm. Yeah, really. And she said, I don't care what color she is, Eric, she's long as she loves you for you. And, and, and that's what I believe. And I, and I know my mother's happy for me because I'm not married, but I'm with a girl I've been, we've been with for 22 years. And we have two kids, two beautiful kids. Uh, but um, that's just, that's, that's, that's my life with that. But just a side note, you know, like, I, don't, I, I never, every, everything is obsessed with race right now. I know, man. And it's, I it's, say, it's, man. It's sad. I was, uh, I, I had friends all different types, not because I went and fucking selected them that way or some affirmative action bullshit or nothing else. It's just like, I like anybody that keeps their word and we're going to do something productive together. And go. I couldn't give a shit. If it was a fucking Martian, I would love to meet a purple <laughs> motherfucker that just kept his word and we just did some shit and got things done. <laughs> I, I agree with you, man. Hey, let me tell you something. My dad had another saying, be a man of your word, Eric. Do what you say and say what you do. And I believe that. I mean... I'm big on that. If if you keep your word with me, you my kind of guy. I mean, I'm not. You're not. No one's perfect. Let's get that right. No one's perfect. But if you keep your word and do what you say and say what you do, that's all I want. And and you gonna make mistakes. Sometimes you're like, hey man, I'm sorry, I couldn't keep my word on this. But you tell me. You don't slide out the back door and try to hide. If I seldom fuck things up with friends, or at least I think I do. Yeah, me I too. I say it, I say it differently. I have a lot of long-term friends. A lot of people. I, I don't I don't make a lot of friends. I don't need a lot of new friends. But if I made friends with somebody, we're likely to be friends for 20 years later, we're still likely to be friends. And don't mean I never fuck something up, but if I fuck something up, I think it's rare. And if I, if I do, I'll, I'll own that. And i say, you know what, I, I did this, and I wasn't thinking about this, this, that, and I apologize for that, and that's not gonna happen again. And if, if, I, if I tell somebody I'm sorry, I'm not gonna, they know, that means that I'm sincerely sorry and that shit won't happen again. See that, that's, that's me. That's My mother me. used to say this, you know, oh, I'm sorry, and then she'd do the same shit tomorrow, you know? So that, that pissed me off in a way that still burned in my mind that she'd do something fucked up and then she apologized to me for it. But the words didn't mean nothing. The, the words Her words mean never nothing. meant shit. Her words never meant shit. And I, I, that really, uh, that burned in my head in a way that I'm like, I'm never gonna be that type of person, that you can't be around other high quality people if they can't trust you. Cause they got too many good options. They ain't got time for bullshit options. I agree. I agree with you. So I think I think that was a, a useful lesson in my life. But um, you tell me a bit about your foundation. Uh, my foundation, our foundation, my, me and my buddy Jason. Thanks once again, white guy. That's my guy. That's my boy. Um, it's called Young Warriors. It's for fatherless boys. And uh, how I got involved with this foundation is, is uh, I didn't know Jason. I didn't know Jason from Adam. And the guy. Talk, told me about playing in a golf tournament. Can you play in a golf tournament, man? I said, man, I don't think I can play. I said, I donate something. I donate a jersey or something. So I donated a jersey to the, to, to the foundation, and then he said, yeah, it, it, it went well, blah, blah, but man, you think you can, can could you like to, would you like, he'd like to meet you, you know, just meet you. I'm like, okay, so, so sure enough, I, I met Jason. Jason Hill's his name. And, and Jason, Jason is like a, He's like a big kid. That's the best I could put it. He's like a big kid. He's such a good-hearted guy. And when he came to my house, he was telling me about his foundation. He said, you know, he was a kid that, you know, grew up in a drug-infested home. He said, mom's on drugs. My sister's on drugs. I don't know who my dad is. You know, Jason's a good-looking guy, too. But just, a, just he's just like a, like a big kid. And he, and he says, 
that I just wanted to do something different. I, di I didn't want this life. I didn't want that life for, for me or my kid. Like, and he had a daughter. His daughter, I think his daughter's 24 now. And he took custody of his daughter, you know, as a young guy and brought her up. And, and I'm, I'm just so proud of him because he said, Eric, you know, when, when he told me his story, I'm like, oh, I'm in. I said, I, I want to get involved with it. He said, he, said, he said, imagine this. He said, I think he said he was 10 years old. He said, imagine being 10 years old. You get up out of the bed to go to the refrigerator, and there's people all over the floor, high, you know, bottles, just cigarettes, you know, needles, cocaine. He said, just imagine that when you walk into the refrigerator as a, as a, as a young kid. I said, I wouldn't even know what that's like. He said, that was my life. He said, I started doing drugs at nine years old. He said, man, I'm, I was a kid. He said, my mother, his mother still does drugs. He just lost his sister about three years ago to drugs. And, you know, he said, I just want to do something different, man. I want to, I want to be better. And, and he is big on, on helping kids, and, and I, I'm with him on it. And so that's how we started the foundation. We, we have a golf event we do. We, I think this is our sixth year we, we've done it. Uh, he's changed the curriculum a little bit because, you know, you can't go into the L.A. schools anymore because he, he'd work with the L.A. Unified School District. So he's doing stuff... Um, with like Big Brothers, with the Big Brothers program, Big mm -hmm. Brothers. But I mean, he's just such a, he's such a giving guy and, and, a, and a good hearted guy. And, and his passion is his foundation. And I love helping him with it. And so that's how I got involved with, with, uh, with Young Warriors. Young Warriors. Yep. Young, What's the name Young again? Warrior, org. if you want to look it up. Youngwarriors.org. What's mm -hmm. the name of your book again? Uh, Watch My Smoke. Watch My Smoke Watch is my coming smoke. out now. It's coming out now, January 2022. Right. January 18th, 2022. Eric, last thing I want to ask you, like, we talked about work ethic. We talked about a lot of personal things, and uh, more, more than I thought we would, honestly. Probably, no but problem. You, you're easy to talk to. No matter, you are, you know. too. You're a good storyteller, I hear. <laughs> Do you ever see somebody, we, we're going, I want to go back to this work ethic thing for just a moment. You, in the idea, you know, coaches, mentors, etc. You ever see somebody, they got a, you know, a gold medal around their neck, like, for, like an Olympic medal or a championship belt or championship ring. You ever see somebody like that that, that didn't have a good coach, a good mentor? I don't know any. I can't, I can't think of any. Every guy that I know had somebody. If it, was, if it was that one person, if it was that one, just that one person that kind of pushed him along, you know, to, to do this or do that. Um, and I believe... Pretty much everybody has someone, or they can think back, even if it's somebody may didn't help you a lot, but they, they said some encouraging words. Like I said, sometimes just a word, you know, yeah. just, just, just one word is enough to do it. I mean, I heard uh, Joel Osteen talk, talk on, on radio one day, and uh, he said this, this young kid, he had heard his whole life, he wasn't going to, he didn't amount to nothing. His mom said, you don't amount to nothing, you ain't nothing. You, you're sorry, you, you're going to probably end up like your dad in prison, blah, blah, blah. He said, but he had one teacher that told him, you know, just, just, said a word to him, you have so much potential. Just those words, you have so much potential. And make a long story short, he became a really successful businessman. He said it was a struggle, but just those words right there, because everybody else, oh man, you ain't nothing, you ain't gonna amount to nothing, you ain't gonna do this here. And sometimes, like I say, it's just a word. That's a lot of deep shit. <laughs> hey, you asked the question. I, I asked 15 people that are, um, you know, 
Olympic, you know, won multiple Olympic gold medals, won Super Bowl rings, won UFC titles, boxing champion, you know, world champion, everything. And every one of them says, no, nah, I never, you know, it's, a, it's always a, a head shake, which you did too. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always a head shake and nas. You, you need to have somebody. There got to be somebody there to, be to put you in the right yeah. way, yeah, put you yeah, on the right path. It's just one word. I mean, it's just one yeah. word. I mean, just sometimes. Now, you got to be open-minded about receiving that word too. Yeah, right. You, you've got to hear it. Or, or if it comes from the right person, sometimes it has to come from the right person. Like I could say something to a young man or a young woman that they might not receive it, but you say it to them, or this young man or he'll say it to them, it'd be totally different. They'll and vice versa. They'll, they'll, right. They'll take it. They'll take it totally different. I mean, and and. That's the that's the beauty of of the of people in the world. It's just everybody's different, and that, that's what I like about it. You know, everybody everybody has a different thought. Everybody sees things different. You know, everybody's a different color. I mean, I think that's great. I mean, I mean it's like what if everybody dressed the same? <laughs> you know, everybody dressed the same. Like, damn, that's boring. <laughs> you know, you know, it would it would be it would be boring. They find something they didn't like about you. You know. I was, I was so starved for good role models. At one time I was, uh, I guess I had just turned 18. I was 18 years old and I was sitting in the county jail. And even in jail, I was always suspended in high school. I was always in trouble for something, some insubordination, fighting something. And I got, I got A's in some of my classes. If I applied myself, I'd get A on the class, despite being kicked out of school, you know, 30, 40 days a year. <laughs> but I was sitting in county jail, there's a, a fella, uh, intentionally omit his last name, but his, his first name was Willie, and he's about your height. He's a black man. He's about your height, and uh, I was 18, and Willie would have been about 30 years old or late 40s at the time. And uh, Willie was a convicted murderer. He had previously served 20 years on a homicide, and he was locked up in county jail. He was a felon in possession of a handgun. So, you know, after having a 20-year sentence, yeah, that, that, that's, he's that's, still that'll send you back to jail, all running right. around with pistols and. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you get the picture of, you know, nothing against Willie. I'm going to say something real nice about him in a minute, but that's the sort of fellow that Willie was, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, I, I would always be, you know, getting in some mischief. And he was one of those, you know, uh, unlikely mentors of sorts at that moment in my life. If Willie would come over, I'd be locked in my cell um, for one thing or another. Usually some kind of fight and something. You know, I was 17, 18 years old. Guys are going to test you, and you've you got to mm -hmm. fight, or you're going to have some different type of problems, yeah, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. And... But he, he'd set a couple over, he said, if you call me white folks for some reason, but he said, you know, he said, well, look, look at you white folks. Said, What's the matter with you, kid? So you couldn't behave out on the street. You got yourself locked up. He said, you can't even behave in jail. He said, look at you white folks, you locked up in jail. <laughs> he wasn't the type of, you know, he wasn't saying it because he was trying to get on, get over on me or something. He would just, it was, you know, from his heart, like yeah, a, like a fatherly yeah. thing yeah. from his heart yeah. that he wasn't trying to, he wasn't up to nothing fucked up in any way. But uh, that always stuck in my head that, you know, he, I'm like, you know what, that old man's right. And he'd been around some shit and, you know, he had some, some tough times in his life for, you know, and, uh. I said, you know, that old man's right. Maybe I, I had to pay attention a little bit. I went and got a job after that. I went and got myself a see, job. And all right, boom, just see, just like that. Just like I got raises, I got promotions, and they, then I quit that. I quit my last job when I was 19. I haven't, I haven't had an employer since I was 19, and I, that really encouraged. It put me on the path to go get a job and not get my ass locked up because I, I, I knew where that was going, and <laughs> I still think about Willie once in a while. That, well, Willie probably gone. Willie probably did. <laughs> Be, uh, he'd be 70-something He'd be 70-something right now, wouldn't he? He'd be 70-something. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah. But 
Yeah, unlikely, unlikely mentors. Yeah, but hey, I had some that were Nobel Prize winners and billionaires too, but, but I learned but, from both. But just like I said, it's just, it's just the word he said to you. It's just something that, that, that clicked in you. And that's, and that's sometimes all it takes. Eric, thank you for taking the time. You're very generous with your time. Man, no very problem, thoughtful man. of you to come no, through. No, no, no problem. You man. inspired a lot of people. You did a lot of fantastic things. And they can say that, you know, it looked easy, but I know there's a lot of psychological effort, a lot of physical effort that went behind well, that. Well, let me tell you, it was not easy, I can tell you. But I, I always say this, and I'll, I'll keep saying until the day I die, that man up there gave me a talent second to no one. You know, and, I, and, and my son, he's nine years old, and I'm not saying he's going to play pro football or nothing like that, but if he does play, you're going to see something special with him because I hope they don't mess with him like they mess with me in the pros. He'll, it's a different time. He's, he's, a, he's a special kid. And I'm not saying he's going to be professional. I'm not, that's not me. But if he does, boy, he's talented. We got a great coach to, to hey, get some advice from. Hey, I just, I just, want, I just like I said, I want him to enjoy it. That's it. Thank you, man. Thank you.